Ladies and gentlemen, it's the Lateral Show. Fasten your seatbelts, because here we go. www.lateralff.com messed up the name of the website I created, but that's okay. It happens when you know you're Harms on Twitter at Harms NFL. That's who I am. This is what I do. Not surprising that I mess up the intro really badly like this, but to save it and make it better, I am joined once again by the world is a vampire, aka Mick Lateral. What is up, my dude? Uh, still, still very much in sad boy season. Uh, as I mentioned to you off screen, I lost a I lost a member of the family today. My beloved L.O. Bean Black Watch flannel, which was very comfortable, just the right size, had the button down collar, but like it's like the collar stood upright still. It hadn't like scrunched down yet. I like only had it for a year and there's a hole in the sleeve. And so. I don't know what to do. Uh, shout out to, I want to say it's Preston out on Twitter, giving me some good recs that I will look into. But part of me is tempted to just get the shirt that I love so much again. Part of me is like, oh, was it cheap? Anyway, I'm rambling and there's already other stuff that I need to ramble about coming up so I can stop rambling about this. Well, you know, I understand that is a very tough decision for you, much like the tough decisions people are going to have to make for their fantasy football lineups, as a lot of websites or platforms or what have you have the playoffs start next week. So if you really need to win a game this week to get in, wow, this is kind of the last time. So, you know, the ante has been upped. The stakes have been raised, friendos. So, yeah. Get a load of that. We're going to break down all the week 14 action for you. Give us, you know, give us, give you our thoughts. Well, okay. We're going to get into the segment of the show that I think we really, really need today more than anything else uh, on my soapbox. We have not done this one in a while, but we've got some shit we got to say. So, you know, I'm going to let you go first on this one because I know you've, you've got something that's I mean, since Monday, really, it's been on your mind. So here you go. The floor is <clears throat> Me, 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 me. Bill Belichick was right to run the ball. Are you freaking kidding me? It was 20 plus mile an hour wins. I've heard it was up to 60 mile an hour at one point in Buffalo. There have been insane lake effects. No, Tyler Bass couldn't hit a 35 yard warm-up kick and you all are acting like bill belichick doesn't have confidence in mac jones because he's not throwing the ball in the game with weather literally telling you don't throw the ball by the way the bills fucking lost because they couldn't run the fucking ball like i have no idea what game you all were watching it is absolutely insane to me that anyone is hating on mac jones because of that game plan like josh allen barely threw it five yards a completion I don't know if any of you caught that as well. The fact that you are taking anything away from either passer 
in this game is absolutely asinine and you should frankly be ashamed of yourself. Yeah, I don't really understand why people were like, well, if you're a true franchise quarterback, you should be able to throw in the middle of a snow hurricane. I wouldn't like... throw in that with peak <laughs> Dan Marino, especially if the Bills offense is going to let me run on them the entire time. Yeah, I, oh, it's, oh, it, it's Sorry, one Bill's of those. Defense, but you know what I meant. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And it's one of those things where it's like, look, I don't often try to go out of my way to, you know, say kind of inflammatory things like this, but it feels kind of warranted. Anybody who got all weird about that shit, especially, you know, for like fantasy purposes and stuff, it's like, okay, like this really demonstrates to me the disconnect and understanding between how fantasy football works and how football football works. And it's just like, Jesus fucking Christ, like, just stop if you're going (laughs) to, like, yeah, his entire career comes down to the fact that once, like, shut the fuck up. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. (laughs) Those were some odd takes. For the record, you don't have to be going out there being like, Mac Jones is, like, a god. You don't have to, like, honestly, like, maybe Bill Belichick, like, didn't want to deal with a rookie quarterback throwing the ball. That's entirely possible, but he also probably didn't want to deal with a quarterback throwing the ball at all in that game. Yeah. Like, and I don't know why you would, and he's got a win out of it. So it's just like to take away anything from either Mac or Josh Allen, frankly, for that matter is like just absurd. Yeah. And honestly, I will even take it a step further and say that for the most part, we can throw out Monday night's game in terms of anything that we can apply for fantasy football, because we didn't learn anything new. I think we learned one potential thing, and I do truly mean potential because there's still some stuff that could be a little weird. Um, Might not be trusting the Bills defense going forward in fantasy. I mean, but it's already been established that they're kind of up and down anyway. They they are kind of up and down, but they let a team run the ball down their throat on them in a game where they knew every play was going to be a run play and they still couldn't do anything. And so, like, again, are there extenuating circumstances? Yeah, possibly. You know, it could have been tough for the defense out there. Um And maybe it really says more about the NFL side of things for Buffalo and their ability to like hang when it comes to crunch time in the playoffs, as opposed to like really what it says about fantasy. So again, I'm not like making a like first take declarative, like statement here. That's like the bills defense is trash. Sell, sell, sell. I just think to me, their performance felt like a red flag, even despite the weather. Yeah, I mean it's 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 fair to point out. I mean, we'll have to keep an eye on that it's as the things only go thing along. I'd say. Yeah, for sure. Um yeah, now we're definitely on the same page as far as all that goes. Uh so yeah, just uh, Monday night football just I mean, gosh, just go back and watch it again with fresh eyes, folks that are weird. Um my soapbox is very simple. Um somebody decided to send a DM to the Instagram account for bowling for soup and finally get the answer to the question are they bowling on behalf of soup or in an attempt to acquire soup? And in their words, they said to earn it. So the mystery has been solved. Bowling for soup is not bowling on behalf of soup. They're bowling because they would like to get soup. There you go. I mean, 
Wait, that was a debate? I heard that joke for the first time on the internet when I was in high school. This is like a very... Oh, this, man. I just always back assumed. A, like, they're I mean, poor. I, they're bowling to get soup. I mean, I figured that, but at the same time, it's it's an old internet joke that I'm just like, I'm glad finally... <laughs> it's Fair. stupid, but I'm glad yeah, someone no. finally asked, and we got that. an answer. So, shout out Bowling for Soup, 1985 great song also not their only good song i've seen them at warp so also I think once not or twice. their good. song that's the sr71 sr71 yeah. i believe from balmer maryland shout out maryland what up hell yeah so there you go <laughs> yeah man oh no oh, what's there is like the dan uh, right now right she clings yeah. to me like cellophane yeah Oh my Fantastic god. Submarine. She's oh, driving fuck. me insane, but now that's mm, over. Mm, mm, mm. Man, yeah. actually, this might be a shout out SR71 segment. So there you go. Shout out SR71. Uh, <laughs> These things happen. <laughs> yes. On to the football. Yeah. Yeah. Because we don't really have the usage rights to just kind of rock out to right now for three minutes, do we? <laughs> we really don't. And I'm not trying to catch that heat. So. <laughs> Now we'll move on. Yes, the week 14 preview. All right, so we got uh, no Colts, no Dolphins, no Patriots, no Eagles. So if you oh don't my. hear the names of those teams, oh, oh my, if you don't hear any of those team names in this, it's because they're not playing. As such, you should not put any of their players in your lineup unless you really, really, really want those layup zeros. So, yeah, remember, this is the one week where you have to bench Jonathan Taylor. I yeah, get that it's difficult, but you genuinely have to this week. Yeah, got, that level of hubris, though. If someone was like, "Fuck it, beat me," and just like left. Oh my god! Ride or die, man. They don't say ride or die except in bye weeks. Yeah, uh, shit, dude. That would be that would be incredible. Um. Anyways, we start with tonight's game between the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Minnesota Vikings. One that I am particularly excited about. There's a lot to kind of break down here, uh, but I'll just try and do it as quickly as possible. Adam Thielen, not really going to play. So we can just kind of like throw that out the window. That leads to, you know, a debate that we'll be able to have afterward. But uh, a few things to just keep in the back of your mind. Joe Hayden's not going to be playing in this game again. That really kind of sucks. But on the flip side of the ball, well, flip side of the t- – because it's still the Minnesota defense, whatever. Patrick Peterson was activated off of the reserve COVID list. He will provide some assistance in, you know, making the Minnesota secondary better because they have allowed the most fantasy points to wide receivers this year and half PPR scoring. So, oh, my gosh. But even then, I still expect this to be a very, very big day for Steelers wide receivers. I feel very confident playing all of them. I have – I mean, I don't have formal rankings – that I put together every single week, but like, yo, dear God, I am absolutely about it for Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool. And then another thing of note is that uh, Vikings linebacker, Anthony Barr will be back. He's only played two of 28 possible games in the last two seasons, but when he's out there, he's very impactful. Um, So I guess aside from those things, KJ Osborne, he's the next man up with Adam Thielen out of the lineup, the question really is, are you trusting KJ Osborne? I got my thoughts, but I want to hear yours first. I mean, I think I kind of am. And like as a flex wide receiver three, that territory, like no Adam Thielen, no Joe Hayden, 
like is kind of there because like they're gonna put their best guys on Justin Jefferson. KJ Osborne's shown when he gets work, he does pretty well with it. This could be a shootouty game, to be honest, because like I know you talked about Patrick Peterson coming back, but like Patrick Peterson's played eight game this eight games this year, and the Minnesota pass defense has still sucked. Like he's got two passes defended, I think, this entire season. It's not True. been this isn't the Patrick Peterson of old. Not at all. Um so like I'm not really all that worried about the Minnesota defense. I'm not insanely worried about the Steelers defense, especially I would say on the road, I'm less so with some injury issues, you know, be maybe one thing if the game was in Pittsburgh and, you know, get that little home crowd buzz behind them. Um, so, yeah, like, I think if you need a wide receiver three this week, you can play KJ Osborne. Yeah, I'm completely with you on this. I don't really expect Adam Thielen to be. He's, he's, I think and... out. He's, he's, I don't think he's not going to. Oh, play. no. Oh, I know. I'm just like, what I was getting at is like, I don't think he's even going to be an option for you for the remainder of the fantasy year. He might come back toward like the last week of the season or something. So it's just like KJ yeah. Osborne for me is not just a tonight thing. It's a rest of the season thing that I'm trusting KJ Osborne. That's really what I was going to get at. Like he's going to be a good option for you for the remainder of this year. Yeah. I don't know that I'm trusting him the rest of the season, quote unquote, but I'm stashing him on my roster for the rest of the season and then probably playing him as long as Thielen is out. But in particular, this matchup, I think we could see Thielen come week 17. So he's someone I'd prefer to like put in an IR slot. I wouldn't want to drop him. Uh, at least not just yet. Like wait to get like a little more bad news. Cause it's trending more in the positive direction than the negative direction at the moment. So, you know, I wouldn't be counting on him for week 15, but I wouldn't drop him yet. It's not like Logan Thomas where, you know, you can be done. Oh, absolutely. For sure. But either way, just, yeah, KJ Osborne, great option. Yeah, definitely a rest of season potential. 100% agree. Uh, Is there anything else from this game that you would really like to highlight? Not really. I think that's the big pressing question. I mean, you could have questions about Chase Claypool, but again, I think against this Minnesota Vikings defense, I don't have those questions. Yeah, I mean, I, I think he'll be able to do just fine. I mean, obviously, you know, the Steelers receiver that you do prefer of them is going to be Deontay Johnson. But, you know, Chase Claypool is still a guy that you can roll out there in your lineup. And I am hopeful that the Muth will continue to be Luth because it's just really fun to say that shit. Um, yeah, I think he will be. I think he's an integral part of that offense at this point. You're goddamn right he is. Woohoo! Um, okay, I feel like we can move on. Yeah. Holy shit. Oh, I completely forgot that this game was even happening this week. All right, we're oh, moving yeah. into the Sunday slate. Cowboys Washington football team. Oh, gosh. As natives of the D.C. area, I'll tell you what. There's something special about these games. Our entire lifetime, whether we care oh, the about DMV, the local team or not. <laughs> the DMV will be popping this Sunday. Like, pe- oh, bars are going to be packed. This is the game of the year in this area. Oh my gosh, yes. And I love how there's always that emphasis to like, especially like I'd say over the last, I don't know, maybe like seven or eight years or so, they schedule both toward the end of the year. So that way it's like the they're typically like, really. like Thanksgiving or and later or like just after Thanksgiving and later. 
Oh yeah, dude, it's it's so it's so wonderful. At any rate, we'll take this <laughs> fantasy football. Yeah. Um, as for far... real quick, real quick, last year, it's... lest we forget, the Washington football team kicked their ass in both games. It wasn't close. Yeah. Oh, that was. It was, it was pretty brutal, man. <laughs> like, yeah. So I'm, I'm, I am curious to see if there will be some revenge game elements. Like, does the Dallas team think about this at all? Because I feel like the Washington team definitely will be coming in thinking like we owned them last year. Let's own them again. Yeah, and you know, in this in this rivalry, anything is possible. Any uh, sort of, I guess injury news to go over i would say is that tony pollard as far as we are aware was working on the side with trainers on wednesday but it doesn't seem like it's going to be a long-term concern and it at least according to a source that covers the team that i pulled up from uh you know i want to say what is this part of usa today yeah he'll probably be fine so if you've seen any of that type of like oh tony pollard is he gonna be healthy like yeah probably but you know just keep an eye on that uh, Zeke has been practicing full, so I mean, there's all that. Um, yeah. So no Logan Thomas. We will have Ricky Seals Jones available to us potentially as a replacement? Question mark. How do you feel about that? Because tight end is a pretty dire landscape, you know. Yeah, I mean, I think if Ricky Seals Jones is playing, I'm willing to plug and play replacement him. Logan Thomas if I need to sort of depends on who's out there like I might prefer Tyler Conklin for example if Tyler Conklin is available which he tends to be um but like John Bates at that point I'm much more concerned I probably wouldn't be trusting my fantasy playoffs in John Bates's hands yeah no because we've seen it from Ricky Seals Jones Actually, even before this year, in brief spurts throughout his career, he's shown flashes, but specifically even this year on this team in this system, he's the one that has really shown up. So, yeah, if it's going to be one of the two of them, like, hey, remember everything we were saying earlier in the season after Logan Thomas got hurt on some waiver wire episodes about Ricky Seals-Jones? Everything still applies. Everything still applies. So I think, yeah, that's a good thing to get out of the way. I feel like a lot of people are going to be thinking about that. And then... A concern that you have seems to be whether or not the Dallas DST is a smash play or a dangerous play. I am of the mindset that because they have the extra few days to practice and rest up and do whatever because they played last Thursday, that's going to be a big plus for them. But I don't know. Seems like you've gathered some thoughts. So I really want to hear what you got on this one. So we've sort of touched on them again, like the Washington football team is hot right now they're one of the hotter (laughs) teams in football somehow uh the offense is playing fine but i would say not not like great and again they own dallas last year so i'm just like you know this feels like on paper dallas has the better defense dallas has some guys that should be able to exploit the fact that heineke makes questionable throws oh boy does he (laughs) like Diggs could have a field day with this one. On the other hand, like Washington is playing with house money. They're playing hot. They like are aiming for a return to the playoffs. You know, they were the ones that won this division last year. They are the ones that beat Dallas twice last year. 
and it's in Washington. Like, could this actually be like, you know, a bit of a trap game? I don't know. I want to know your thoughts because I'm probably still going to play Dallas. They've been good. It seems like a team you'd want to ride with. The opportunities there. But like, I would also say that the red flags exist. They do. And, you know, I mean, I guess I'm really, I'm pro Dallas Cowboys DST in this one. Cause like I was saying before, the extra days having played on Thursday last week helps. And I think just even looking at this from like, just imagining how the game plays out in my head in like a real life sense. Cause obviously fantasy football and real life football overlap. The Washington football defense continuing to be further diminished will kind of up the pressure for Taylor Heineke to have to be able to keep up with the Dallas offense. And because of the things you were saying before about some of his questionable decisions, particularly in the fact that he can't really fit throws into really tight windows like some other quarterbacks can. And it does kind of leave him open to those types of kind of like, you know, slap your forehead, say why type turnovers. Because, you know, I don't know, like you. Listeners, uh, Montez Sweat is also probably not going to be healthy for this game on top of the fact that the team is already down Chase Young, but that's not news. You know, like, gosh, I think the deficiencies on the Washington football team defense will put added pressure on Heineke to have to do shit. I will say, however, the one thing that could potentially make this weird is that I'm sure you've noticed and other fantasy football managers have noticed Yo, Antonio Gibson being trusted with as much of the workload as he has been recently could potentially kind of make up for that because, again, it's well established that the Dallas defense is a tough one. You know, it's not something that I necessarily think is just like, ah, they're just going to roll over in the rushing, like, uh, you know, in the run defense area. But Antonio Gibson is a dude that has been absolutely balling out lately. I think that he could have a tremendous impact. His volume since the bye week, I mean, shit, 24 rush attempts, 19, 29, 23. They're just letting him hammer at defenses. And it also seems J.D. McKissick is back at practice. That could really help, too. If if the game plan is to kind of just chip away, maybe it could just be like a meh play, but I don't know. I don't know. I'm still probably rolling with Dallas as like a top seven or so option i feel comfortable playing them but i think i had an incredibly long-winded way of outlining how it could possibly go so okay. there you go <laughs> quick name game for you just one yes. new orleans saints at new york jets or dallas cowboys at washington football team which defense are you playing i would rather play the saints okay all right anything else from this game no, I think that covers it for me. Well, this one should be relatively easy to go over. Oh, well, the Jacksonville Jaguars at the Tennessee Titans. Okay, um, I will just start with the one that I don't know there's a lot to say, but I just really cannot believe this sentence is a thing that is on a show sheet in the year 2021. Is Laquan Treadwell the wide receiver one in Jacksonville? I mean, the survey kind of says yes, right? It does. <laughs> so Ur- Urban Meyer has never watched NFL football is like the impression we're getting, correct? 
Have I missed something? He only watched as, college. As the weeks continue, I'm just like, bro, I I don't understand what the fuck they're doing. But sure, yeah, I mean, last he saw of Laquan Treadwell, he was like, hey, that guy knows what he's doing. So, yeah. Because, like, I... you may <laughs> like or dislike Visca, random fantasy football manager in this scenario, or random fantasy football analyst in this scenario. But, like, Visca should be getting some work, and he's not getting, like, any. They converted Jamal Agnew into their top wide receiver. Marvin Jones is just running up and down the field like it's his day job, which I guess technically it is, but we figured he might do some pass catching in the meantime. Like, Carlos Hyde was a risk at, like, James Robinson's job at one point. I don't get what's going on. Yeah, it's incredibly puzzling, and I think that also kind of speaks to just like a little side note that I would like to bring up as to how we are kind of feeling like a, a quick vibe check on James Robinson, because I saw a little clip of him being interviewed when asked about, you know, him being taken out of the game and all of that because of the fumbling that he had and also still limited with his heel and knee in practice. But I mean, it's it's had him out on the field before, but either way, like it sucks that he's become more of an RB2, you know, like, because unless unless something finally changes and Urban Meyer gets the stick out of his ass, you know, and not to say that James Robinson isn't a player that I'm trusting in my lineup, because I am. I absolutely am, especially, you know, against the Tennessee Titans. It's not the, you know, the most difficult matchup in the world. But, I mean, he's not... He's not the same type of guy that we were enthusiastic about recommending to people to go out and trade for, right? No, but he is probably the same guy you went out and drafted, or still even a little better than that. I mean, that's kind of the thing. Like, you know, if you drafted him to be an RB2, he's still an RB2. So it's really not hurting you as long as your roster is kind of constructed around that. If you then pivoted and made him your RB1, like, you could be in some trouble. But if Fair he enough. was meant to always be your RB2, you're probably still fine. I get the concern. I just think ultimately it weirdly is a wash. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because I think we both had him, you know, in our rankings around like the RB18-ish to 20-something-ish. And that's kind of where... He's being ranked in ECR on a week-to-week basis, you know, more often than not. Yeah, so, I mean, in drafts, yeah. I probably had him even lower, you know. Like, I probably had him in RB3 territory because of Travis Etienne. Obviously, yeah. after that, bumped him up. But, you know, I just – I feel like you're now getting what you expected out of him initially. But the problem is you're not getting what you expected out of him after, like, the past couple weeks in the season. You know, you came yeah. to rely on him more and now you probably can't quite as much. Yeah. And I think that was kind of the point of me bringing it up. So I'm glad that we were able to do that. Um, it, speaking of relying upon players, Julio Jones back. Are you, are you really ready to trust him right away? Yeah, if he's healthy, I, I'm playing him. Full stop. I, I am on the complete opposite end of the spectrum. I don't want him anywhere near my starting lineup, to be honest. I, I like, I'm not dying to throw him in, but like, if I need a wide receiver three, I'm throwing him in no problem. I think he has to be healthy because they made him wait so long. Like, yeah, if it's I... ever going to happen again, it has to happen this week. It's a plus matchup. They don't have other options. 
Like, I think AJ Brown's still on the IR, right? Yeah, he's still not healthy. Yeah, um, so, like, they have to throw to Julio. So, like, if he's still got the juice, this is it. I think of him, honestly, more as, like, a lower-end wide receiver four. I'm not ready to put him in yet. Uh, maybe we'll see how he does this week, but in flashes we have seen from him this year, outside of, like, toward the very, very beginning, it's been it's been painful. He's looking old. And uh, actually, well, to go back to something we said earlier, uh, I feel infinitely better about playing KJ Osborne than I do playing Julio Jones, even despite the fact that he's probably the quote unquote alpha in the room now. That's where I'm at. I probably have him around the same point, to be honest. I feel you. So, hey, listeners, do with that information what you will. Form your own opinions, research, data, numbers. Woohoo! Um, Yes, I mean, I guess that's kind of all we really have here for this game because, I mean, the Jaguars, there's really nothing ever to talk about in the Titans, I guess. Well, actually, one more quick thing, just because last we saw the Titans, it was interesting between John Trail Hilliard and Deontay Foreman. Do you have any sort of opinion one way or another? I don't want to play either of them. I can't trust them. I still personally trust Deontay Foreman. More than Dontrell Hilliard, I would only play Foreman of the two. Even then, I think of it as a flex, and that is it. That is where I'm at. But either way, to your point, I'm not really enthusiastic about it either. Um, Okay, so Seahawks, Houston Texans. Dear God, Davis Mills. (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, we're going to have to deal with this again. Oh, gosh. Are you playing anyone on the Houston Texans? (laughs) Not if I can help it, and that includes Brandon Cooks. Yeah, and that's something we've talked about basically every single, you know, insert week preview is like, well, at least you got Brandon Cooks, but that tune has really started to change recently. I mean, it's been pretty inconsistent. I'm not having a good time with it. He is ECR wide receiver ranked 24 this week for PPR. I think it's too high for me. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at this right now, and I can tell you I feel good playing guys over him all the way down to about 41 with Marquez Valdez scantling of the Green Bay Packers. Save for maybe, I mean, like, I wouldn't, I'd still rather play Cooks than Cortland Sutton, for example. I would rather play Cooks than uh, probably Jarvis Landry, for example. But those are the two names that pop out in that little range that I have pulled up in front of me. Well, I would I'd play him over Marvin Jones, who we just got finished talking about his team. But yeah, other than that, dude, I'm really not trying to fuck with it. Not with Davis Mills. I can't. We've been burned too many times in the past, even with Tyrod. It's like, God damn it. It's like, this team's a goddamn mess. Holy it's, shit. It's super interesting because honestly, I'm looking at the ECR right now. And like number one to 23, if they're healthy, I'd be all fine playing basically all of them. And then like after that, it's totally different. Like, 24 with Brandon Cooks is really where all the question marks start. Yeah, and, you know, I think this is a particularly good week for a lot of wide receivers. I do want to point that out just because, you know, we're both kind of looking at this right now. 
y'all, there are some fire matchups for a lot of these guys. Like, man. Well, we'll get into some of them too, because there's more stuff that's developing, like as injuries happen and COVID lists happen as well. Very true. Um, at any rate, uh, I don't know. That's that's the Texans. I mean, the Seahawks is basically just the two wide receivers, Russell Wilson, and then who gives a shit about the running game? Does that kind of sum up the Seahawks for you? Yeah. I mean, I'll play Russell Wilson. I'll play the wide receivers. If I need a tight end, I'll consider playing Gerald Everett. But I'm not, I'm not playing the defense, I think. No, probably not. They're they're a borderline one. I think if they were fully healthy, I'd do it. But like, I'm just I can't trust them. Yeah, I'm I'm not really about it either. I mean, even in what should be an advantageous matchup, it's still just not a very good defense. So I mean, like, this is one of those things where, I mean, I don't know. I guess I would say the Seahawks are a decent play for you if you're just really out of options and you're banking on some turnovers. It's there are worse options. But yeah, I mean, I, I I feel very similarly. Yeah. Does that game feel like we've addressed yeah, everything? I think, we're good. I think we're good. Okie doke. So we're getting into what is probably a more interesting NFL game than a fantasy football game, but definitely. Oh, I thought you were going to say more interesting than that last game. Oh, well, that's a very low, it's, that bar is so low that I'm pretty sure I tripped on it on my way to set up my computer for this podcast. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the Las Vegas Raiders and Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, yo, if y'all are looking for some serious, like, IRL intrigue, like, this is going to be one of the better, like, honestly, probably the best game of the one o'clock slot, if I'm being honest. Um, well, I mean, outside of our kind of biases as people who, you know, share the you know, joy and the festivities for Cowboys football team. But yeah, like Raiders, Chiefs, that AFC West is fucking tight. And the first point, <laughs> you know, you have written on the show sheet here. Why is this game at 1 p.m.? Why is yeah. this game at 1 p.m.? This makes like, no sense. I mean, dear God, like, okay. I respect the two primetime games on Sunday and Monday this week because they're both like fellow sure. divisional rival games. It's fine. And we'll get into those. But like, come on. The implications are so good. The like, only thing I can think of is like they decided to make the four o'clock games also prime time because didn't they flex San Francisco at Cincy into that spot? I Cincy do should be a one since he should be a one o'clock game. And then unless I made a typo, the bills are at Tampa. Tampa's in the East Coast. Why isn't that a one o'clock game? I have no, I, maybe after the long nights for the Buffalo Bills on Monday night, they'll just let those guys sleep in a little bit. Maybe they were just being generous. I, I, like you get <laughs> where I'm coming know. from. It's like the first thing I saw when I typed this up is like, why is this game at one o'clock? Yeah, it, it's it's bizarre. But you know, aside from any of that, in terms of the fantasy football stuff, this you know, in like like chalk. Yeah, like you have written, definitely. Uh, one thing I do really want to point out to people is that Darren Waller is still kind of banged up here, and so far, it does not seem like he's trending in the right direction. Because as we mentioned on you know, Tuesday's episode, his knee injury is considered to be day-to-day rather than week-to-week now, but either way, as far as we're aware in the time of this recording, you know, didn't practice on Wednesday, 
that by the time you reach Wednesday and you're still not practicing, that doesn't really bode well for you. So just keep an eye on that. As such, if he does not go again, do you feel like you've been burned enough? I, by I don't the think Moreau thing. <laughs> I don't know if I would go. You've been burned enough by so much as in week 14 in the final regular season game, you can't rely on it. I think there's definitely a cutoff where options get worse. So for example, like I'm looking here at one of the leagues I'm in where I have Darren Waller and Foster Moreau. And like, I'm looking at like Austin Hooper and Gerald Everett and Jared Cook and James O'Shaughnessy. Like, there isn't really a big diamond in the rough option here. So that one I'm like kind of on the fence about, but like, this isn't the smash play. It was last week the last time that Moreau had replaced Waller. And in the previous times he's replaced Waller, at least while Gruden was coach trend was that they trusted him to take on a fair amount of that role enough to be fantasy relevant. And last week they did not do that at all. Yeah, uh, true. I don't know. I just, I just felt like that was you know worth bringing up because it's it's topical. I agree. You know, I, agree. Topical. I would I would not want to put my fantasy hopes in the hands of Foster Moreau, but there is a chance that you won't have another option. It really depends on your league, for sure. And I think there is one that I feel really good about recommending this week, but we're not going to talk about that team until a little bit later. So I'll save that. But I guess. Other than, you know, that little tight end discussion there, there's not a whole lot to go over, except it seems you're at least considering playing the Kansas City Chiefs DST. Yeah, I mean, they've been pretty good. I mean, we saw them pitch a pretty good game against Denver last week. The run defense is, like, tightening up a little. The pass defense is good. I mean, Javante definitely broke out some runs on them. Don't get me wrong, but like it was still a 22 to nine game, you know, not for sure. Because other than Javante Williams, it really was not much of a showing from that Denver offense, particularly through the air. They're now a top 15 DST this season, just season long. But here's what's crazy. Hmm. Second half. So weeks nine through 13. Lay it on me. DST four for fantasy pros. And you if know you what? do it by points per game, they're DST three. Only the Patriots and the Dolphins are better. And to you fantasy managers out there, and also Kansas City Chiefs fans out there, on behalf of Pittsburgh Steelers fans, I can tell you, you're welcome. Melvin Ingram has done a very good job for them. And you know, I I'm don't glad. I don't get how they just got <laughs> Melvin Ingram, by the way. Dude, I mean, look, we actually, we, like I'm on the fucking team, the Steelers, (laughs) pretty good linebacker depth. He seemed a little frustrated with the role, although, frankly, I kind of wish we would have gotten a little more than a sixth-round pick. That's what I'm getting at. They, like, gave him away. I know. It's it's frustrating, but it is. I almost, because, like, I remember Melvin Ingram from the Chargers days, unless I'm remembering the player incorrectly. Same guy. Yeah, yeah. Um former Chargers fan here before they abandoned their fan base and did a money hungry move to a city that doesn't give two shits about them. Um, Yeah. Moving on. Um, (laughs) Like 
I'm like, this is the same Melvin Ingram, right? I almost texted you and was like, did something happen to Melvin Ingram that I don't know about? Because I thought it was just wild that he was going for a six rounder. Yeah, I mean, so what really happened, I mean, just like, obviously I don't want to spend like a ton of time on this, but sure. I will mention that, uh, you know, he got uh, a little frustrated and went public with his frustration. So the leverage wasn't really there to get anything more. So if they had been able to kind of resolve that a little easier, maybe it could have, you know, been turned into more. But at any rate, yeah, ever since he showed up, you know, like that's kind of the point in time that, you know, we can really look at and be like, yo, man, this Chiefs defense has been good. So I'm with you. I'm glad we explored that. Those yeah, of you actually that have them as an option. One one oh. more nugget. You know, I used to do the heat check where it was a three week sample size. Uh, from weeks eleven to thirteen, the Kansas City Chiefs are the number two defense in terms of points per game. Sixteen points per game. It's pretty in good in terms of fantasy production. Pretty good. Hell yeah, dude. All right, so that kind of wraps that up and takes us into what should be. Hopefully, knocking on some wood, the return of Alvin Kamara with the Saints traveling to East Rutherford, New Jersey to play the Jets. An, Dear God, a, this is going to be wonderful. <laughs> an unencumbered Alvin Kamara, because I love Alvin Kamara. Uh, yes! We are living in Alvin Kamara. How, how is that baby? not a thing? How has oh, Alvin Kamara never been done? Oh, it's a thing now, baby. Actually, I might tack that on to the beginning of the episode. Woo, oh, man, that oh, was man. good. <laughs> Do we need t-shirts? Do we need Alvin Kamara t-shirts? It's just him dressed up, you know, with the shield and everything. Just no, 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 no. It's just him standing there in the Saints uniform, but with a bald eagle perched on his shoulder. All right, we'll workshop this for sure. And like, yeah. hey, you know, we'll... we'll Get in touch <laughs> with some people. Send some um, emails. <laughs> but anyway, Mark Ingram, not playing in this game, right? officially ruled out yeah so i mean that's that's a pretty significant development here and also why i really really hope that i mean and like look things have been trending in the right direction for alvin Kamara. he's been practicing everything is good but i think really now more than ever they need him back because of the fact that mark ingram was placed on the reserve covid list now i mean they're in danger of missing the game Ingram is evidently thought to be vaccinated. So, you know, we don't really have confirmation there. But, you know, as such, it's the two negative tests, blah, 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 all that. You know, I'm sure anybody who's been following the league for, you know, this season is aware of how that works. So just like keep that in the back of your mind. There's still a chance he can play. But, yeah, with that coming, you know, later in the week, unlike, you know, somebody that we will get into later who tested positive early enough that they will be able to play, hopefully, cough, cough, Keenan Allen. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we may have to, you know, plan for just Alvin Kamara rolling solo, which would be absolutely fantastic because I need him so bad in our league, but yeah, I, if I feel great about that, that's going to be an absolute smash. And then I think the only other option you can really consider in this game, because you're not playing any of the pass catchers, nope. Taysom Hill, you know, I mean, shit, things are, things are seemingly going well. You know, he, he's still kind of trying to get himself, you know, comfortable with throwing the ball despite the mallet finger injury. But, you know, it was reported he's trying to play through it. So far, he's been practicing, working through it. Unless something changes, you can play him. I feel good about it. Do you feel the same way? Yeah, I think if he starts in the NFL, he starts in fantasy. Uh, I would say especially this week against the Jets. And I'm just going to read here the deets from Mike Triplett. 
Saints QB Taysom Hill felt, quote, pretty comfortable making the throws I needed to, end quote, which I'm assuming were just like two yard screens or like you to just like, I mean, he doesn't need to th- make many throws. So take that statement as you will. Um, but felt comfortable making the throws he needed to in practice Wednesday and admitted it will be a bit of a work in progress to find the way to finding his most effective throwing method with the splint in the middle finger, but his foot feels much better. Well, there you go. You know, these are the types of things that we like to see. Things you love to see. Definitely it. I think unless he physically can't throw a football, he will start. Yeah, so just roll him out there with confidence, folks. It does not matter that he may end up throwing a bunch of turnovers as long as he runs. That's what matters because, remember, in most scoring formats, 10 rushing yards is the equivalent of one point. 25 passing yards is the equivalent of one point. So just like, hey, you know, it is what it is. You know, you can make up for those errors just by running the ball. That's how this shit works. My only other note I would say is that I am in obscenely deep dynasty leagues in which I feel just comfortable enough playing Jets tight end Ryan Griffin. (laughs) I don't know. Like, and I have. I have for the past couple. I mean, he, he, I think he's gotten me like, five points seven points and then last week caught a touchdown type thing other than him i don't give a single shit about anybody on the jets because you know well other than elijah moore because he's really breaking out really whoa whoa, i almost missed that one fuck you definitely feel good about elijah moore but other than that yeah i mean until michael carter comes back don't give a fuck about the running backs any other wide receiver besides elijah moore don't really care so it's really just the two of them you know, and like, even, I guess if you're playing super flex, you know, like Zach Wilson's a warm body, fine, do you? But yeah, in any sort of normal sized league, the Jets that you're considering in fantasy football, it's Elijah Moore. So I, I was thinking with the Alvin Kamerica thing, you know, uh, the Eminem song, White America, where it just starts out, White America. Like, I just feel like his entrance music should be like, Alvin Kamerica. <laughs> You know, we'll get we'll get some merch. We'll get a parody song going. This is this is really going places, folks. I'm really glad that this is. <laughs> oh, I feel like God. I feel like Tra- I feel like Trowbridge could. Uh, Trowbridge is that the correct pronunciation yes. for Jake? Shout out to like, homie Jake Trowbridge. I feel like he could do some magic with you on that for sure. Hey, well, hey Jake, if you hear this, hit me in the DMs, buddy. All right, we got the Atlanta Falcons at the Carolina Panthers in NFC South action. Yo, look, Russell Gage has been absolutely balling out lately, dude. Is now a good time to start trusting him? Because, you know, pulling up his stats real quick, just so I have something to share with the listeners. Last three games, 10 points, 18 points, 22 points. Oh, my gosh, it started to get better. Oh, man, like, oh, it's only going up from here. Have the Falcons actually figured out who the wide receiver is that they can throw to? Because if we remember, like, the second half of last year, this is actually something we discussed in the offseason. It was like, yo, he started trending up. I understand. I understood why there was buzz for him going into this season. You know, kind of makes sense. We're seeing a little bit of that performance now. Is this a dude that you're like, hey? Get off that bench and into this lineup, baby boo. Um, 
I mean, it is Carolina. It's not the most difficult matchup in the world. It's not, I mean, it's not the easiest either, though. Um, not that you can take much out of it, but uh, in his six games against the Panthers, he's averaged three targets, 1.3 receptions, and 15 yards per game, uh, including in week eight of this season where he had no targets. He was on the field, by the way, for 68% of Atlanta's offensive snaps. No targets in the entire game. Now, granted, everything has changed. That was then, this is now. You know? yeah. But keep in mind, this is a guy who the last time he played this team, and in theory, he could have been that team's wide receiver too. No targets. That is a little disappointing, but we're looking at week 14. Do you but feel so, any different about it now? Uh, I feel like he's getting more targets, but that I still can't trust him is the short answer. I will get it if you have to play Russell Gage. I think as far as borderline wide receiver two threes go, it's tough to do much better. You know, he's probably at that like wide receiver 26 consideration for me. But if I lose my fantasy matchup because Russell Gage doesn't play well, I'm going to just look at that and go, yep. You can feel it coming. You just can feel it coming. I'm with you, and this is also one of those things that I feel like I well, I know for a fact I've tweeted about before, and then also I feel like in episodes in the past of this show I have mentioned there are certain teams where, you know, you know opportunity has to go somewhere, but feeling like you have the answer as to who that player will be specifically is not always easy to do because we played the pick'em game with like Tennessee wide receivers at different points this season. In fact, we've played this pick'em game with Falcons wide receivers this season. Whether it's just like, all oh, right, exactly. So it's just like, ah, Zacchaeus, whoa, time for him. Oh, really? No, not happening. Okay, well that sucks. Ah, well, what about this guy? Oh no, that kind of sucks. The only thing that kind of makes me feel a little better is the fact that these last three games, eight targets, seven targets, 12 targets, that's pretty good. Now, that said, because I want to give credit where credit's due, he is getting the opportunity. I would still think of him a little lower than where ECR has him. I mean, I probably have him closer to the mid-30s in terms of where I'd be trusting him rather than this wide receiver 26. So, I get that. Yeah. I, I, I'm not as bullish as, you know, consensus, but yeah, this is one of those. If honestly, for me, he could be anywhere from like wide receiver 24 to wide receiver 40. Honestly, for sure. And, you know, I think like, you know, foreshadowing a little bit with, you know, like one of the games we're coming up, you know, coming up to very soon here uh this is the type of play where it's just like ah shit okay keenan allen did get ruled out he didn't test negative twice in time fuck what do i do okay you can pivot to russell gage like that that type of like that's where i'd be like okay fine whatever but as of right now unless like if you're playing in a two wide receiver league you're only thinking about like gauge would only be one of those options for you to be like, ah, who should be in my flex? Because I assume a many people would be able to have two solid enough wide receiver options on their team that they already have those slots in their lineups filled. That's at least just my assumption. I can't speak for everybody, but like, at least that's kind of where I'm at with it mentally. 
Yeah, I and I just I have concerns about the matchup. I mean, last time, last time they played in Week Eight, the scoring went field goal, field goal, a Cordero Patterson touchdown, field goal, field goal, field goal, a Chuba Hubbard touchdown, field goal. It was just a ton of field goals, and like the leading receivers for the Falcons were Mike Davis and Cordero Patterson. Like the leading receiver was Tajay Sharp with six targets, five catches, you know. So, like, if that's now going to be Russell Gage, like five receptions and 58 yards, maybe that doesn't doom you. So, could be enough. I just, it's just like, are I mean, we really going to see him get 12 targets again? Yeah, I mean, I also don't know that it's going to be the exact same game all over I, again, especially I, I, because I, I wouldn't like, necessarily expect you know. it to. But like Carolina's defense is still good. Matt Rot, uh, Matt Ryan, uh, Arthur Smith still wants to run the football. Yeah, and you know, but I don't know. I guess like there's there are certain factors about this that are different enough that I kind of just you know feel like maybe it's. I don't know. Well, especially because, like, think about it. You know, when it kind of transitions into the next thing we have to talk about for this game, it's like, well, with the Panthers having a different quarterback, uh, they got Cam Newton, right? Like, he's going to play the whole game, right? Like, you feel good about that, right? Uh, I feel <laughs> it's okay a legitimate about question it. Now. <laughs> I, I, feel, I feel a bit of a question. Uh, if P.J. Walker ends up finishing this game, I'm not going to be shocked. I mean, the one thing is the Atlanta Falcons defense isn't any good. Like the only thing I'd say, yeah, it's not great. Yeah, but like um, I'm not, I'm not dying to play Cam for this game. Especially because, I mean, if any of you somehow missed this news, uh, offensive coordinator Joe Brady got his ass fired. And I did see a tweet from somebody who covers the team about the fact that Matt Rule really just wanted to pound the rock and just run, 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 run. So unless Cam Newton's going to be involved in that, which is theoretically possible without Christian McCaffrey, I mean, he's Cam Newton's a dynamic rushing weapon, you know, in and of himself. But, I mean, God, it's already been frustrating enough. I mean, yeah, I don't really see, like, the ceiling being particularly high. So, I mean, Jesus Christ. Yeah, for fantasy, I mean... I'm playing Cam Newton in Superflex leagues where I have to, but I am really not feeling that great about it, despite the fact that the matchup is pretty good. Yeah, I, I get that. Like, it should be a good matchup, but I just don't want to trust it. By the by the way, I am like, I'm looking through to like see more about this Joe Brady situation because it's still like just so surprising. Apparently, per the New York Post. The reason Joe Brady got fired on Sunday was because the Panthers couldn't reach him on Saturday. Jesus Christ. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. They could not reach him. Well, that's interesting. Wow. Okay. Well, I, I'm going to have to read more about this at the conclusion of recording because yeah. this sounds pretty fascinating. But uh, any <sighs> other notes you want to throw out there for this game? No, I'm I'm ready. I'm ready to move on from this game. I think this could end up being the worst game of the Sunday slate, to be honest. As bad as Seahawks Texans could be, that game could get weirdly fun. I don't know that this game will get weirdly fun. Yeah, Seahawks Texans could at least be like a goat rodeo, but yeah, this does not feel like it's capable of that. Um, so we got Ravens Browns, another divisional clash. 
And with two big things here that we have on the show sheet to address, uh, one of which I just want to take the opportunity to address uh, directly. You know, it says, you know, the Ravens being a good matchup for tight ends, but the Browns have three. Uh, they probably don't, as Harrison Bryant is still nursing a high ankle sprain. I really don't expect him to, you know, be out there just based off of, you know, like I I've I've watched the injury for the, you know, for the news desk and, you know, written that up a couple times. They don't I don't know that they feel particularly great about it. And also keep in mind that David Njoku being placed on the reserve COVID list, he would still have to test negative to find his way out onto the field. So something I said earlier about, you know, teasing like, a, hey, well, there might be a tight end option. I actually feel pretty good about we are down to one in Cleveland. It is Austin Hooper. He has managed to find a way to be the guy just by survival of the fittest. You know, shout out Mob Deep. Great song. Also, that's a really good album. Anyhow, but yeah, so that's probably where I would go for it. If you're really looking for one, I would trust Hooper over Foster Moreau. You know, I like I look, I, I get it. You know, it, it production's been inconsistent, but it's because of the fact that there have been three different tight ends that just get rotated in and out and in and out in Cleveland. But he's the one that is likeliest to play. And the other two, well, Bryant probably won't. David Njoku, I mean, we'll have to see. But, you know, as, you know, we get further and further along and he doesn't find a way to, you know, test negative twice. Yeah, decent chance we only got one of them. And then, uh, so I'll hand that to you in addition to, uh, you know, Rashad Bateman kind of not doing anything lately. Are we kind of on to 2022 with Rashad Bateman and not thinking about him that much anymore for 2021? Yeah, I think I'm done with Rashad Bateman for the year. It was fun while it lasted. He was getting targets and all of a sudden those targets evaporated with the uh, rest of the efficiency for the Ravens offense. So. I just don't see a situation in which I can trust him. There's better matchups. We've already talked about better matchups available for some wide receivers. Uh, and then at tight end, yeah, if Austin Hooper's the only one playing, he's a start. I totally agree. Yeah, you know, it's just like, you know, because, you know, and like, I, I'm i glad we put that on the show sheet like that because it's just like, hey, you know, like this, and it's actually, you know, comments that I received and, you know, some of the write-ups were, you know, there was one person who literally tweeted at me and was just like, all right, cool, call me when there's one. <laughs> it's like well to that person whose username i don't remember there's only one <laughs> so there you go um yeah i mean so you're not really the, the browns are just the you you play the running backs and then the ravens are the you know what you're doing andrews hollywood lamar also oh i will say uh i'm no longer considering latavius murray at all nope this this the is devonta freeman show 100 percent. that's it definitely his um actually oh, by, by the way real real quick devonta so, freeman played his way into a starting role next year uh as not part with of the ravens obviously but he's a little older but i feel like he's earned himself another year in the nfl in some sort of uh committee yeah sure put it this way if you're the atlanta falcons you'd rather play him or mike davis uh, I mean, that type of return might be a little wonky, but the point is well taken. I mean, yeah, I, I would rather, yeah, yeah. I'd rather uh, play Devontae Freeman he, than Mike Davis. Devonta Freeman has been running well. Again, it's behind a line that allows people to run well. It's in a system that caters to the run, sure. 
but we expected him to be completely washed and he's actually doing pretty well. Yeah, I mean, hell, they brought him in off the street. He was considered to be, uh, what's that uh, irritating phrase that people like to use? Uh, dust? Yes. That, uh, yeah, so, that yeah. checks out. God, I, it really, I really don't have a, much of a taste for that. Uh, anyways, you feel, you feel good about that? You want to move on to the yep. giant chargers? Yeah, we can move on. That's fine. Okay, so uh, Giants Chargers, like I just said, key thing to take away here is uh, kind of I've I've mentioned it a couple times throughout the show. Keenan Allen being placed on the COVID reserve list so early in the week really ups his chances to be able to test negative twice and do the whole thing. From what I've seen reported, like the fact that he is vaccinated, that really helps. Another thing that really helps him is the fact that this is a home game for the Chargers and they don't have to travel. So I don't know that you have to make other plans for Keenan Allen. However, you may have to make plans if you were planning on rolling out Mike Williams, who is considered to be a close contact. So... Even if Keenan Allen is good to go, there's a decent chance that we're going to be without Mike Williams, which leads us to a guy that you and I have both talked about in the infancy of the lateral doing live streams and stuff. I remember we talked about this. We are both fans of Jalen Guyton. We really are. (laughs) How do you feel about this man for this? Herbert seems to like him. I think that he could fit into that Mike Williams role potentially. Yes. If Williams is out now, that is, of course, a very mercurial role. So, you know, trust at your own risk. But he would be he would be that role, I think. And Williams unvaccinated, so his likelihood of being ready to go, you know, up in the air. Because he really would have to, like, have the negative test and has to wait, like, the five days. And if... I think he basically gets one positive test. He's SOL is kind of how I recall it. Pretty much. That's my understanding of how it works. If we're wrong, please correct us. But I mean, that's as far as I'm aware, how that works for sure. And, you know, folks, keep in mind, I mean, shit, even last Sunday, Guyton was able to, he connected with Herbert. He did four for 90 and a touchdown. You know what I mean? And also go back and look at some game logs of his last year. If you, if you've forgotten why we were, you know, like not super excited about the guy, but you know, a, a, somebody that we've considered to be somewhat of a dynasty sleeper, despite that not really being our format of focus, like the dude's got the speed to just go out there and catch those long bombs. Like you said, that's basically what Mike Williams does anyway. So yeah, I mean, him filling in is actually pretty perfect. We got that. And then, Oh dear God, Jake Fromm, fuck! Oh, okay. Well, well, it looks like it might be Mike Glennon. Well, so that that would be that would definitely be an upgrade. But even if Mike Glennon is under center, or if it is still Jake Fromm, do you feel good playing anybody besides Saquon Barkley at nope. all? Nope. 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 Absolutely not. I think the Giants are a one-man team again. And I'm like, they're just one of those sucks to suck is what it is. And like, you know, I don't mean that in any sort of condescending way. I mean, injuries have really hampered them, you know, like credit where credit's due. But, you know, 
we've talked a lot about the fact that the Chargers, in terms of their you know run defense DVOA, is you know just pretty fucking pathetic. You can run on them, Saquon Barkley, despite his own shit. Honestly, I would kind of hope Glennon is under center of the two names that we mentioned because Daniel Jones is definitely not trending in any sort of direction to play anytime soon. I would agree. You know, at least, you know, Glennon's capable of doing NFL things, and we have actually seen him do NFL things, whereas Jake Fromm, despite being the, you know, once touted prospect coming out of uh, Georgia, if I remember correctly. I mean, like yep. some weird shit. Yeah. I yep. don't know. At least it would bring would enough say- life. I would say once touted while at Georgia. I don't think he was very highly touted coming out of Georgia. That is true. Yes. You know, it, that it was that once upon a time was just a little longer ago than I think even some other people realize. But yeah, just throwing that out there, it would really help for Saquon. But again, that's the only thing we have to talk about, which is why I spent the amount of time on it that I did, which was still probably too long. <laughs> so the Detroit Lions and the Denver Broncos are going to face off. This one kind of feels pretty simple. Uh, the running backs and the Broncos DST. Yep, that's it for me. Oh, uh, Brandon McManus. Now it's it. Hey, shout out, kickers. Um, yeah, I'm probably with you. Uh, the only thing I would say is Jerry Judy over Cortland Sutton. Just uh, Yes, but I want to play neither. I'm with you, but just like for the sake of tang it yeah 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 jerry judy over Cortland sutton for sure uh and then you should maybe stash amon ross st brown and or josh reynolds but i would avoid playing this them this game if you can with you on that i don't really care to point out anything else although i will say uh for those of you that are bummed about like oh melvin gordon coming back that sucks It's it's like just be glad that he's not hurt for fuck's sake. You know what I mean? Like, I get that it's exciting that we got to see good things from Javante Williams, but being mad that Melvin Gordon is back, like, the way some people talk about it kind of rubs me the wrong way. You know what I mean? Like, if the frustration is purely based off of, like, oh, man, I'm going to miss that upside from my fantasy team, like, that's fine. But if it's just like, oh, blah, dude, Melvin Gordon, you suck for ruining it. It's like, motherfucker, he's a... This is the man's job, okay? It's, fuck, be kind. Uh... <laughs> We also now can move to uh, the McLateral fan corner with the 49ers and the Cincinnati Bengals. I got to hear what you have to say. And if you don't say anything flattering about Jermichael Hasty, I am going to kick you off of this podcast for the rest of time. Is might be the only healthy running back technically flattering? Yes, it is. Woo! Okay. Because he, he might be the only healthy running back. Uh, as of right now, he is. Um, because it would be just him and the juice man. Because uh, Jeff Wilson still dealing with some injuries. Elijah Mitchell, I want to say, is in concussion protocol. Please don't come at me if I'm wrong. I do know he's injured. Uh, and I want to say Jeff Wilson is still the knee acting up. Uh, the real big question, though, is are we getting Debo back? Because if we're getting Debo back, this could be fun. And if we're not, this could be one-dimensional. Uh, I ultimately think Elijah Mitchell will play and make it through concussion protocol. Jeff Wilson will probably be on the roster, but used sparingly. But having Debo back there could actually really open up the offense because we saw it kind of close up a little, I think, not having him back there against the Seahawks, though. That was a game that the Niners still should have won. They can still win this game against the Bengals. They're good enough to beat the Bengals, but I would say that the Bengals 
you know, they're also good enough to beat the Niners. They're just as good, if not potentially slightly better. So. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm with you on that for sure. Uh, at least as far as Debo goes, uh, I know because uh, this is one of the uh, this is one of the new uh, news items that I picked up and put out there. The team is really expecting him to be able to play based off of what you know I had written up and put out there. And you are correct. Elijah Mitchell concussion, but also evidently a quote unquote knee irritation. But I don't really know how much that means. I kind of just wanted to put that out there for housekeeping purposes. But yeah. So we got that. And then I got to say, man, uh, I don't really care if I get flamed for this because it's genuinely how I feel about it. Uh, Jamar Chase is like a like a mid to low end wide receiver three. I'd rather play KJ Osborne over Jamar Chase. I'm not I'm not doing it. I, I really can't. I, I refuse to trust Jamar Chase with any semblance of confidence right now, because like I was saying, you know, even in our Monday episode, it's just like, look, I believe that the player is talented. I believe that he is super good, but he hit the rookie wall. He has. It may not be through any fault of his own. It might just be a scheming thing. It could also just very well be. I only ever see him in, you know, certain, you know, spurts and stuff on red zone every Sunday. I don't have the full context of everything because I don't have the time to go back and watch all 22. But the fact of the matter is T Higgins has been trending way the fuck up and Jamar Chase has been trending way the fuck down. The dude can barely get around 50 yards a game. And unless he scores, again, not talking shit on the player because he's still very young, very talented. And for 2022, man, you know, he's got that year under his belt. I expect big things for him. I admit I ranked him too low this year, but this is kind of the thing I was a little worried about. So I'm not even I'm not even claiming that I'm right because I wasn't. (laughs) I fucking wasn't. But like, you know, just it the hitting the rookie wall kind of happens later. It, it is what it is until I feel I have, I can earn, well, he can earn that trust back for my fantasy lineup. I ain't doing it. I ain't doing it. Maybe as a, in a three wide receiver league, yes, you're still throwing him out there for sure. But for you two wide receiver people out there, he is somebody that you should be weighing as a flex option, not as a wide receiver one or two option. That is my opinion. Yeah, I'm still willing to play him. All right, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, man. All right. Uh, anything else from this game kind of interesting to you no, at all? That, that pretty much covers it for me. Uh, actually, well, I I do kind of have one. It, it, we don't have to spend too much time on it. But what happened? Why why did Brandon Ayuk only all of a sudden get involved at like the very end of that game? <laughs> like, I don't know, against man. Against the Seahawks. Oh God, that was I that mean, was annoying. Par- Part of it was we had the game in control for a while and then lost control of it. Um, but it be what it be. That game was a blown opportunity. Yeah, just because, I mean, like, I don't know. It was on at the same time as Steelers-Ravens, so that was the one time this year, you know. If, if, the, if the Steelers are ever on, you know, in my TV market, I don't watch Red Zone. But anyway, just wanted to ask. So that puts us into Bill's Buccaneers. I mean, what do you really need to know that you don't already know? <laughs> like, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, again, I would say don't play the Bills defense, but you sort of should have known that, I think, at this point. Especially not against Tom Brady. So, 
Yeah, that's that game. <laughs> Honest, I, I oh, don't think they're uh, playing. Okay, I'll, I'll ask you one thing. Okay. Are right. you playing Emmanuel Sanders or Cole Beasley in this game? Because I don't think I really want to trust either of them. No, probably not. No, I mean, I feel like this is a really good opportunity for a, uh, a get-right game for Dawson Knox, especially because of the fact that it's a pretty decent matchup for, you know, tight ends. You know? Uh, yeah. I mean, like, not a super great, because I think the Buccaneers are still, like, just... I'm not even... I don't really care about the fantasy points allowed at this point, Just but, like, I don't know. Like, with that secondary being, like, all over the place and stuff, and even when Richard Sherman does come back sometime soon, even if he already did, I think there were rumors of him going out and, like, the playing safety a little bit, and I don't know that he's ever really done that before, so it's like, that could be interesting. Whatever. Point is, no, I'm trusting Dawson Knox of anybody who's not named Stephon Diggs that catches the ball for the Bills. Fair enough. Alright, so uh, Bears-Packers? Yep, let's get on to it. Justin Fields, back, baby. The team has said, you know, we're gonna play, we're gonna play it safe with him. We're not gonna put, you know, his future health in jeopardy. Seems they feel comfortable enough with how the rib injury has been coming along to the point where he's gonna be out there. But does he have to be out there for your fantasy lineups against a Packers DST that has really heated up over the last several weeks? Um, also, uh, quick notes, Jair Alexander back at practice. That's a huge one. It's not great. That. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to start Justin Fields this week. Neither do I. Neither do I. Uh, actually really interesting line of questioning there. Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence? Who are you starting? I mean, fuck. Probably Trevor Lawrence, okay. but I really don't want to. I mean, so I mean, ECR has them back to back. I don't really even think of them all that differently, anyhow. So I mean, I get that, like, yeah, Justin Fields is likelier to do the you know stumbling, bumbling, scrambling nonsense, but uh, well, nonsense. I didn't mean that any sort of disparaging way, but um, uh, yeah, the, the Tennessee secondary. I mean, you they can exploit those corners. You know, it, I, I I think. Lawrence can get enough good balls to Laquan Treadwell to make it worth it. So, like, uh, but neither one of them in single QB, just to be clear. Uh, this is more of a super flex thing. Um, but yeah, that's that, I guess, for because there's really nothing else for the Bears because it's it's Mooney and like David Montgomery being David Montgomery because he's David Montgomery, right? Yeah, I would. And agree. then, uh, cool, cool, cool. But how about Marquez Valdez-Scantling? We brought that name up earlier. You know, wide receiver 41 in ECR. You know, the Bears, it seems like they could. I don't know. You can throw the deep ball on them. Yeah. And, like, he's really put things together the last couple weeks. Because even though he didn't connect for a touchdown in week 12 against the Rams, like he did the week before, you know, that was still nine points by week. Aaron Rodgers probably feeling a little healthier with his toe issues, you know, uh, and I'm, I'm, I hope that they were able to, you know, put together the requisite amount of his research to feel good about this. So does that seem like a thing that you want to do rolling out Marquez Valdez Scantling? And if you do, are we talking a wide receiver two, wide receiver three slash flex wide receiver four? Three, definitely. 
three or four slash flex. Here is the scenario in which I want to play Marquez Valdez Scantling. Here we go. Yo. It's very specific. All right. Are you on the playoff bubble in which if you win this game, you're in. If you lose, you're not. Do you really not have a better ceiling option on your team? If you can answer yes to both of those, then you should play MVS. It's a desperation Hail Mary because he could end up with like 16 points. But if you're fighting for seeding rather than fighting for a playoff spot, probably stay away. Yeah, in any sort of scenario in which I'm fighting for a playoff spot, I I like to take certain chances, but I never want, unless injury has obliterated my options and I have to go with a big boom bust thing, I don't want to. So yeah, I, I'm I'm with you on that. I'm definitely yeah. with you on that. It's a boom bust desperation flex play. You're like throwing them in there because you don't have a better ceiling option. And you're just like, I need to go for it. Like the eight points I'm going to get from Tyler Boyd isn't enough. I've got to do something here. And so I'm going to play MBS. I'm with it. And also, honestly, even if you are a team like jockeying for seating or just like looking to add a piece anyway, if Marquez Valdez-Scantling is still out there and he finds a way to perform again, he might actually just be a decent depth piece to have. Because he's in that threshold that we talked about in you know our last episode. So, I mean, like that's also something worth throwing out there. Even if you don't really need to put him in your lineup, I think that's a guy that any team looking toward the playoffs would be would benefit from having, right? Yeah. I, he's somewhat, he's so, if he plays well, keep him stashed. And if he doesn't, cut him. I fucks with it. I definitely do. Anything else you want to get into before we get into our final game of the slate? Um, yeah, actually see if Patriots get dropped, see if Eagles get dropped. And if you got some space, stash them. Ah, that's true. So I, I, I am those people in, uh, one league of mine. I did drop the Eagles DST just because, you know, they're on the bye week, all that, but that is a sneaky, that is a sneaky addition, but I will say I only did so because this is a league that I was also able to pick up the Los Angeles Rams. Sure. were dropped because of their bye week I, and again, they if you got to drop some of those guys i get it like i think i dropped boston scott in the league and it's like you know sometimes you just got to do it but if you got some roster space you're comfortable being able to stash some guys you know like see if someone is like oh i got i'm like fighting for my life kendrick Bourne didn't do anything in the last game even though the Patriots only threw the ball three times or Jacoby Myers got dropped in a league. I was in going into this past week. And so I'm like, I'm, I'm going to scoop them up. Like there are some guys that just, it's like, keep an eye out. And like, if you can scoop them up, scoop them up. Kenny Gainwell's actually out there a good bit. He could be someone worth, you know, stashing for week 15, seeing how that goes. So it's just something to keep an eye on. I don't really think that, Dolphins and Colts, with exception of maybe the defense special teams units, are really going to find their way onto your waiver wires and also be valuable. Like, I don't think there's like, you know, there's nobody who's going to be dropping Michael Pittman or something like that. There's nobody that's going to be dropping Devontae Parker, probably. So 
the value you can get from those two teams, it's not there the same way that like people might actually drop valuable Patriots and Eagles. True. And, you know, I feel like the reason we kind of felt comfortable, you know, going over this instead of talking about the Monday night game is just because like, A, these are valuable pieces of information and B, the Monday night game is the Rams and the Cardinals. And you're kind of doing what you were doing with it anyway, with the only note really being that Chase Edmonds is considered a game time decision. But even if he returns to the lineup, I mean, he like, sure, he'll take away some of the, you know, receiving work that James Conner has gotten in his absence. But that also doesn't change James Conner's primary role that has made him an effective fantasy asset for this entire year. So essentially, not nothing's changing here about what you've thought about these teams for the last few weeks anyhow especially because honestly connor with this matchup is probably an rb2 for you anyway a high-end one but one nonetheless so like if edmund's Edmund's maybe he's like a middling one instead no i mean i think he was going to be considered as such that like i don't know just because he's so likely to fall into the end zone on a week-to-week basis i mean like that's where we ranked him with edmonds regardless of matchup in the past and that's how we're just going to do it now anyhow so it's just like yeah i mean i'm with you uh shit the only thing i really have to say i guess is uh deandre hopkins being as hobbled as he is or whatever like i think of him more as a wide receiver too for you know you know, until we see otherwise. And I don't mean that in any sort of, you know, demeaning way. Obviously, it's his health. It has nothing to do with, you know, anything else. Just, you know, keep that and like just temper expectations a little bit. Not really trying to, you know, talk shit on the dude. It's just, it is what it is. You know, he's been banged up a little. And also, like, you know, I think this is something that was mentioned on, I can't remember what podcast it was, but then it, it also challenged me to look back at the game log. He hasn't really had like the same type of dominant season that he has in the past in terms of like massive target share and all that but i think it also like i it's not an indictment on him and really speaks to what uh, cliff kingsbury and the cardinals have been building in terms of a more robust wide receiver core for kyler murray to have at his disposal so i i view that more as a compliment of their developments as a franchise so just but i don't know it's it felt like saying but other than that yeah this you're you're doing what you're doing with both of these teams. I there's nothing to think. <laughs> like, I would agree. Uh, there's nobody who I'm going to start playing that I wasn't already thinking of starting to play, and there's nobody who I'm going to bench that I wasn't already thinking of benching. Very true, and that wraps up our week fourteen preview. I thought that was a fun one. You know, there was there was uh, there was a lot to cover. I felt like, but we we did a good job. We did a good job. I hope that everybody enjoyed listening, and you will be able to catch this podcast again on Tuesday. Like I had mentioned, we did our little you know mini episode about what playoff teams can do to prepare themselves with their rosters and whatnot, but. The next shorter episode is going to be for you people that are not in the playoffs, looking forward to 2022, or even things you can do now, especially for those of you in keeper leagues and whatnot, just some you know little tips and tricks that we have for you. Look forward to that. And until then, on Twitter, at the Lateral FF, the website, www.lateralff.com. I am Herms on Twitter, at HermsNFL. You can find me there. You can find all my stuff there. And... uh yeah, I don't know. I mean, anything I have to plug, I tweet about anyway. <laughs> so if you follow me, you'll see it. What do you got? 
Well, it's your boy McLateral FF. You can find me over on Twitter at McLateral FF. You can also find me at thelateralff.com. Kind of went over everything on the Monday show, but um, yeah, you'll hear this podcast. You'll get a boom bust thread on Sunday, and that's about it for this week. And you'll hear me here again on Monday. Things are coming to a close, people. Hell yeah. Best of luck to everybody. We hope that your teams do well. And uh, if we were able to help you in any way, uh, you know, that's really what it's all about. That's what we do this for. See you next week. There it is. Yeah. That was kind of an awkward outro. I don't know. You know, I took well, like, way, way too long of a pause there. You know, I, I don't I'm know. Gonna I'm kind of w- holding in a fart at this point. Oh, dude, dude man, I've had this shit for like probably half. <laughs> Follow The Lateral on Twitter at The Lateral FF and check out the website www.thelateralff.com. Beep boop.